Hey guys, real quick, this is Ryan. Appreciate you listening. If you haven't had a chance to check out HeroParanormal.com, please do. For the price of a boutique cup of coffee a month, you get all the content behind the paywall. There's a ton of it. You can also access that via Patreon. Just search for Hero Paranormal. Also, if you are listening via YouTube or watching, please, please, please do me the solid, the big favor to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast because the powers that be don't like me. And although I will most likely never be monetized on YouTube for a variety of reasons, including the truth, If you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, that will help me break through the algorithm of control. The shadow ban is real. Enjoy. Another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization Podcast, aka Hero Paranormal, broadcasting from just over the fence line from the old Sherman Ranch in the Uinta Basin of Utah, a little place we like to call SpaceWolfResearch.com. My name is Ryan the anomalous ambassador of the airwaves, bringing you an unbelievable episode today and a recap of a lot of the investigation and happenings that have taken place in Las Vegas surrounding the Las Vegas alien landing of a craft in the backyard of a family. As many of you know, I do most of my work in Utah, but I live in Las Vegas. I bounce back and forth monthly put more miles on my vehicle than I dare admit, go through about a uh, set of tires a year, premium tires. I go about a set of tires a year, and that's when I'm not flying back and forth. So you get an idea how often I'm bouncing back and forth. My wife works down in Las Vegas, so she's unable to move to Utah full-time. I have work that I do up in Utah, so I'm unable to be in Vegas full-time. So there's a lot of bouncing back and forth. It's just the reality of where we're at. And it works perfectly for, you know, us as a family. But I'll tell you, I have spent a ton of time in Las Vegas investigating and researching like I usually do in the Uinta Basin of Utah at Space Wolf Research. And it's all due to this important event of the century, in my opinion, for lack of a better word, this... (laughs) situation which is very much real, which includes the demonic acting aliens which landed in the backyard of this Las Vegas family's home. And the more I investigate, the more I research, the more I find that this is not only a 100% real event, but 
as most things, it's hard to even scratch the surface to how many layers there are to this possibly extraterrestrial onion of high strangeness. Okay, so back at the end of April, beginning of May of this year, there was this landing of a purportedly alien craft in the backyard of this family. There were body cam videos of a blue, bright object in the sky coming down more or less in this location. And let me just recap what took place that night. Angel and his brother were in the backyard of their family home, a place they had moved into roughly more or less 30 days before. They had uh, kind of utilized this large backyard that the home has to kind of supplement their income and work on vehicles, do, doing jobs here and there. And that's what they were doing this particular night, late at night, by the way. And uh, they were under the hood working on this car, from what I understand, when it happened. This otherwise alien-looking craft landed in their backyard, right in the middle of the backyard, and they were very aware of what they saw and heard. They came up from under the hood of the vehicle and saw what it was there in their backyard. They started walking towards it. And from what I understand, there was like a cloaking of some sort, a, um, a technology or something along those lines, a power that hid and obscured the actual, you know, craft and the two entities that had come out of it. And from what I understand, these two brothers, you know, they're in their prime. They're not old like myself. These aren't, you know, these are these are young kids that are in their prime. They're not scared of much. They started walking towards it to get a better view. And according to the story, they felt as if time was slowly kind of uh, slowing down. You know, they felt like it was slowing down. And this is something that's widely accepted and reported in a variety of cases with similar attributes to this. So this is not necessarily outside the norm of this wild event. Now, they did get a view of more or less of what these things were, and they were tall, alien-looking entities acting demonically in their own words. They ran inside, they told their family what was in the backyard, and the family, of course, there's famous video now all over TikTok, Instagram, and other social media with the family going outside with their weapons to go into the backyard and basically see what these trespassers, these invaders were doing back there. Something that is not so uh, widely accepted mainstream is that the family is spiritual or religious, if you will, and they did do a prayer circle inside the home, from what I understand. When they did this prayer circle, these entities acted very demonically. They jumped up on the roof. They scurried, making a bunch of ruckus over to where the family was, above their heads, and acted very poltergeist-like. You know, they didn't appear to like the fact that the family was in a prayer circle, most likely praying for protection and guidance, which I don't blame them. That is very in line with my culture. I'm from Costa Rica. Uh, this family, from what I understand, has roots in Panama, which is, you know, they share a border. 
Um, it's what you do, at least traditionally in my culture. You know, you're up against something, you pray for guidance. And these things acted very demonically by, you know, scurrying and going right to that location and making a ruckus. So the family prepared, went in the backyard. People have scoured this footage online with TikTok and Facebook and Instagram footage being leaked all over, YouTube footage. Angel was like the man of the hour. Everybody wanted to get him to interview him. You know, this poor young guy that had just gone through a very life-changing traumatic event, but everybody wanted to get their pound of flesh. I did rush down to the property. I'll be honest. I did rush down to the property, having a home in Las Vegas, living here. This is where my family lives. It wasn't far, you know, for me to jump in the car and just uh, literally in my backyard go, go down there and check out what happened in their backyard. So, um... I did go down there, but I did not try to get Angel on my podcast. I did not reach out through people who purportedly were close to him and offered, you know, interviews. I just figured I was going to investigate and research this the way I do everything. Boots on the ground, diving in as deep as I can. And from what I've gathered, it's mind-blowing. And I can wholeheartedly say, without a doubt, I think I have uncovered more than anyone else on this case for a variety of reasons. And man, I'm not doing that to toot my own horn or anything along those lines. I just couldn't let up. It was just so intriguing to me right here, literally where I live in Las Vegas, you know, the, in my opinion, one of the most important impactful moments in our history. And here I am alive to, to witness it. I didn't, I didn't let up. I just kept investigating, researching, calling people, having people call me, getting sources in the government. Everybody from uh, Office of Special Investigations people to quite literally private investigators for government agencies, the list goes on and on, FBI agents, you name it, I was digging and digging and digging. And this is a good thing because what I found is that the truth is stranger than fiction. Not only is this a 100% real event, Let's go through it as much as I possibly can. I'm talking about warrants on the house, men in black. There's a new redacted 16 minutes of audio and video from the official record of law enforcement. Uh, neighbor um, who talked to me lost city connections to a land under the lake of Lake Mead. Advanced working group connections. The FAA logs having to do with radar, telemetry, etc. Lawyers getting involved and possibly even connections to the Department of Energy and a group known as NEST. Since then, there have been characterizations of these entities being tarantaloid in nature, connections to Bigelow Aerospace, FAA reports, logs, the Peru aliens happened shortly afterwards, there are issues with the Homeland Security Chief and the person who is in charge of the overall law enforcement or the overall law enforcement authority here in Clark County. Interpersonal issues that I'm not going to dox them or come out with what those issues are. And um, not, I, you know, I believe that it's never good to talk badly about people and that we are all here to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes and become better. And 
we're going to get to all this. But issues with Homeland Security head and the head of law enforcement in Clark County that have caused and allowed Homeland Security to quite literally, for lack of a better word, be given free reign. And I'll get into that. Lots to lots to unpack here, guys. This is dense. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, so I apologize from the get. This is going to be a long one. And possibly, you know, for good reason, because no matter how long it is, I guarantee you that we are only going to scratch the surface to how much is taking place here. As I said, I've, I've delved down every rabbit hole I can, and they all interconnect in ways that are synchronistic, impossible, and in my mind, make this 100% legitimate. This family is not lying. What they saw, they saw. What occurred, occurred. And I think it's important to have a breakdown of the events as they transpired, because it's easy to look at something and disregard it if you don't have all the details. Okay, so while these large, possibly up to 10 foot between, they're described by different neighbors and the family themselves as being between 7 to 10 feet tall, as these large non-human entities scurried around the backyard, they, they obviously, as I mentioned, jumped on the roof of the family's home during a prayer circle. But while they were in the backyard scurrying about, they seemed anxious, and probably for good reason. But One of them jumped into, for lack of a better word, heavy machinery, a front loader of sorts, and tried to fire it up in an act of desperation, which is something that is pretty important in my opinion. Okay, so let's start unpacking all this. So we have this event, which I believe may be one of, if not the most important alien UFO contact cases of the century. On the evening of Walpurgis Night, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Walpurgis Night, this is during the one-hour period when historically, from an esoteric perspective, these things, these others, these non-human intelligences are known and documented to be able to traverse the veil from the other side dimensionally and enter our realm. That's when these liminal entities come through. So during this time, known as the witching hour as they call it, the hour between the transition between Walpurgis Night and Beltane, this takes place. Okay, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'm not into the woo-woo, Ryan. I'm not into the woo-woo. Well, hold up. Because for those who are going to look at this first important aspect and glaze it over and ignore it, I ask you to take a moment and fully understand the implications of this. It is a big deal. Walpurgis Night is a quick abbreviation of Saint Walpurgis Night, which is also known as Saint Walpurgis Eve, and is the eve of the Christian feast day of Saint Walpurga. I know what you're thinking. Who was Saint Walpurga? Well, 
she was an 8th century abbess and saint. Why was she a saint? This is, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Well, the reason she's a saint is because so many of the monsters and otherwise demonic liminal entities would come through during this bi-yearly witching hour. And I say bi-yearly because the other witching hour, which slices the year in half, is Halloween night or Samhain. So if you had a calendar and you pinpointed the two hours during the entire year where the most demonic, horrendous, horrific stuff is able to creep into our reality. One hour is during Halloween night, from midnight to 1 a.m., and the other hour is on Walpurgis night, from midnight to 1 a.m., going into Beltane. And Beltane is a big deal to the power elite, the superclass, those who run our world, the puppet masters of control, but that's a whole other podcast. So if you look at these on a calendar, they are at exact opposite times of the year. Hermetically important. Fun fact. Okay, so long story short, many of these monsters and otherwise demonic liminal entities would sneak through the veil from the other side. That people relied on St. Walpurga to pray them away and to bless them throughout the night and cure many of them of the illnesses gathered during these time frames and periods. And basically, Walpurga was able to get the community around her through this horrific night and the witching hour unscathed. This was considered so important, among other things, that she was canonized over this and other miracles. Another interesting fun fact, the hour was considered so hideous, that's the hour from Walpurgis night into May Day or Beltane, that it was considered life-threatening. Which is why, when pilots are going down in an airplane or craft, they say, May Day, May Day. It's hitting the fan. It's the end of the line. Death is imminent. May Day, May Day. So this was the hour when this took place. Okay, so this event of the century were, for lack of a better word, demonic acting aliens to our realm of reality land in the backyard of this family's home in Las Vegas. And it happens right when it's supposed to happen. If you pay any mind to the occult, the esoteric, the calendar markers in human history. And it's important to note, I call these aliens to our realm and demonic acting because that is what the family alleged purportedly took place. That is that they went inside to do a prayer circle. They are religious and spiritual. 
and of Hispanic culture like myself. In fact, Panama borders Costa Rica where I'm from. But as they went inside to do a prayer circle as a family, they could hear these alien invaders to our reality scurrying about on the roof directly above them, directly overhead, as if worried that they were having a prayer circle, anxious and aware that they were praying, and not too happy about it. That's why I use the phrase demonic in their behavior. So, demonic aliens land in the backyard. It was not a crash. That was all used to, well, sell it, so to speak, in my opinion. News reports claim that. And these dark demonic aliens land in Sin City, of all places. The worldwide capital of sin, sex, gambling, and overall debauchery. At the darkest hour, the darkest entities, the darkest place, the trifecta of dark coincidence. Doesn't stop there. The family had just moved into the home around a month or so earlier. The home is owned by an LLC, an LLC I'm all too familiar with. However, I will not dox the ownership or put that out on the internet because, well, there's a, I wouldn't do it anyway. I don't like doxing people. But the ownership allows the LLC to store certain items in the backyard, including an array of heavy equipment, a front loader, and possibly the most mysterious, a storage container that I can't completely discuss due to national security, and I don't want to dox people again, but I can say this storage container has power to it. Similar storage containers are utilized in government projects due to their ability to house ammunition, pharmaceuticals, radioactive materials, and the ability to have fire suppression systems they can employ. I own a few containers myself, and I'll tell you this one's a fancy one. But let's move on. Again, this gets fairly top secret really quick when talking about Air Force.mil websites dedicated to the explanation of how similar containers can be outfitted and what they are commonly used for. So all I can say is they are expensive and absolutely awesome. For the moment, until my sources tell me I can say anything more, I'm not going to. And that's not where the potential threat to national security is highest or ends with this case. There is so much more. This landing took place in close proximity to Bigelow Aerospace Corporation located in North Vegas, a place I'm very familiar with and a place of importance to national security. Just look at the razor wire, the two sides of fencing, the 
security in place. They literally have armed guards running around in ATVs on the perimeter. And it's important to note, this is one of the only completely clean areas from a HVAC perspective that if you did have alien materials or something from another world, including aliens themselves, this would be the type of location to house them due to the extremely expensive, high-tech, and superior HVAC, HVAC system. It's next level, and it is considered a quote-unquote clean space, allowing zero bacteria in and zero bacteria out. Another important thing to note is that the most highly classified projects and programs in our time have had this location as a more or less type of a headquarters to operations, including the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, ATIP, and the Advanced Aerospace Weapons Special Application Program, OSAP. Both secretly funded by Congress to study UFOs and assess threats with broad missions extending from UFOs to military research and even some super strange paranormal topics and possibly the weaponization of some of these topics. And this location is home to BASS, or the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies Group. These guys are the best. They are the same group who fulfilled U.S. government contracts to study UFOs, paranormal subjects including Utah's Skinwalker Ranch, and this was all long before it was a TV show or used for quote-unquote entertainment purposes. So, we have a defense intelligence agency, black budget projects headquartered in close proximity to this house in Vegas, and keep in mind that now all UFO reports and FAA flight logs are directed to Bigelow Aerospace. They are the capstone of the UFO pyramid, so to speak. You report a UFO, guess what? The information goes to them. And we are barely scratching the surface of this case, so hang on, folks. According to sources of mine, flight logs, two days before this incident, two days after this incident, and including the night of this incident or event in the backyard, are gone. They were removed from the record for study and analysis, according to alleged testimony from a source of mine. So, the interesting part here, speaking of coincidence, is that I bounce back and forth to the Uinta Basin of Utah, next to the old Sherman Ranch that Bigelow used to own, and... I study the high strangeness, 
while I stay at a base camp known as SpaceWolfResearch.com, a ranch that shares a fence line with that ranch. And here, coming back home, I find myself investigating high strangeness again with ties to Bigelow. You can't make this stuff up. And sure, the ties may only be as one person put it, the reporting nature of the event. It is, without a doubt, for sure, 100% legitimate that this event was reported to Bigelow in some way, shape, or form, no no matter what anybody thinks. He also has an extreme interest in these type of things, So I'm sure even if it was only as a mild spectator to the event itself, there would be some connection or ties to the machinations that are Bigelow Aerospace. So let's move on to some of the men in black aspects of this case. The family says that shortly after the event, people in black, suburban-like, tinted-out SUVs came and... uh, tried to talk to them. Very much MIB, even in their own words. What's interesting about this is I can correlate what they said and verify their testimony. As I said, I rushed down to the property myself, and I just so happened to drive a black suburban-ish, completely tinted-out SUV. Very government-looking, right? And I had a neighbor come out and say, oh, you're back. You guys are back. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not with whoever you think I'm with. And I explained who I was. I encountered a wild testimony from the neighbor. He also saw massively tall entities in this backyard. And he wasn't the only one. There's a lot more to this case. In fact... He had some footage as well. Now this is where things get interesting. Because fast forward just a little bit, and a very valuable and important government source of mine, who has connections to agencies that baffle the mind, said that there was a warrant served upon the house. Now, not a criminal warrant. This family's not in trouble in any way. Nothing like that. But basically just uh, the way they go about coming in, looking around, and gathering things that might be of evidentiary consequence to their investigation. And that's exactly what they did. From what I was told, they allegedly went in, took two boxes out of the garage, a camera, an SD card, and a couple other items. Nothing of major significance, but just enough to show that there is something to this. It's not just smoke and mirrors. There's a fire. Moving on to the more amazing aspects of recent leaked information. We have for all intents and purposes, the foremost expert in information technology 
used by the law enforcement authorities here in Clark County. This guy is an expert in the use of any computers, storage, networking, and other physical devices and their infrastructure. And this individual was hired to remove, completely redact, get rid of, apparently over 16 minutes of not only audio, but also video and possibly from body cameras worn by law enforcement officers. And taking it even a bit further, possibly even communications directly from vehicles the authorities were driving to dispatch. So what would be that important to have to redact, remove, or get rid of over 16 minutes of audio files and video files from an interesting case like this one. Seeing patterns here yet, I wish it had ended there and be the most stunning case of the century with just the evidence offered so far. But there's more. Oh yes, there's more. A lot more. The family has been so bothered by all this that they have hired an attorney. With good reason, in my opinion. Government spooks, weekend warriors, and everyone in between you can think of, having had descended upon them in vigorous forms of anything you can imagine, some even attacking their claims and saying they're hoaxers and fakes. That, for sure, is something I can personally defend and say with 100% accuracy and confidence that they are telling the truth. So, since acquiring this lawyer, their home has been posted with yellow signage explaining trespassing is absolutely forbidden. Unwanted visitors will be prosecuted. At least in basic terms, those are my words, not the exact language on the signs, but you get the idea. All these things are not the usual scenario for a case like this one. So please keep tally and keep note of all the things that are highly suspect. So let's get into some of the scientific data, flight radar aspects, and telemetry of the case. The UFO came from the area of Bishop, California, or at least that is where they began tracking it. And by they, I mean three and four letter agencies of our government. The UFO was first allegedly spotted in the vicinity of Crowley Lake near Bishop, if you've ever seen pictures of Crowley Lake stone columns, man oh man, is it a weird out of this world scene. If there were ever an alien looking ancient geological structure, this would be what it would look like. It may be possible that the craft first came out of Crowley Lake itself. And maybe that is why 
it is here that they first started tracking the object via radar and more advanced telemetry systems. From Bishop, the craft moved east over highly sensitive airspace, then in the direction of Mesquite, Nevada, before dropping down into the Las Vegas Valley in the backyard of the family who had to call 911 to deal with the whole situation. After the whole debacle in the backyard, and obviously being found out, the craft and its occupants again finally became airborne after roughly 38 minutes. The reports vary, but regardless, it was very close to that time frame. It got moving again, and I'm pretty sure if I were a betting man, I'd place my chips on that 38-minute mark. So anyways, the craft gets back up in the air and begins to make its way in the direction of Lake Mead. Interestingly, and on a side note, other past crash recovery teams have tracked, followed, and recovered other craft historically along this trajectory. At least if you believe the information coming out of the crash retrieval event of 1953 near Kingman, Arizona, and at least a half dozen more UFO crash retrieval type events, according to many solid leads, and verified by researchers of all kinds, many who I respect very much, including one I just did a panel with whose name is Preston Dennett. So the craft is following this route that many other UFOs in the past have followed. By now, after flying over sensitive airspace, landing in a Vegas backyard, having the police called on it, and just basically being a menace, every X-Files intelligence-like three or four letter agency you can think of of our government is all over this thing and its radar signature. On past UFOs who have followed this route, it appears we can shoot these things down. Past scientists like Arthur Stansell and metallurgists like Leonard Stringfield have been on scene on some of these retrievals. Long story short, the Vegas backyard craft may have known it was being tracked and targeted because it apparently went into Lake Mead to hide, maybe. Or a deeper meaning, which we'll get to later. The coordinates we were given to investigate by boat on the lake were extremely accurate. This information came from another deep intelligence asset with a proven track record and someone who my other source who is a private investigator for the government, contracted information gathering specialist, and more, also thinks very highly of. It's a good source. Anyway, a totally proven, 100% legit source who is slowly becoming a household name over time, but I won't be the one to out him or anyone else involved. So back to the coordinates. They led us to see some pretty interesting things. And in all fairness, not what we were looking for. And I wasn't even the one who noticed it. It was another researcher I was with 
who protects his identity. But this other epic researcher notices what appears to be remnants of an ancient civilization. He was like, slow up the boat. And keep in mind, we are wanting to find telltale signs of a UFO, not this kind of stuff. But as it turns out, this ended up being an absolutely amazing find and ended up leading us down a rabbit hole I never expected. And to be clear, we got two exact GPS coordinates from our sources, and they were close to one another. But this find was smack dab between the two GPS coordinates. Now, as far as the UFO going into the lake, it wasn't just high-level intelligence assets and their information that we were going with. We had eyewitness reports from people around the lake that saw an increase in military presence around the area of the lake, and they seemed to be looking for something. And although there are regularly helicopters around the area, there were many, many more than usual. So we had enough to continue. And it got me to unpack the garage, gas up the 22-foot boat, and cross a huge lake in search for any telltale signs of a UFO. And it's important to mention, it takes a lot for me to pull the boat out. If you saw my garage and all the stuff that's in there, it takes me about an hour and a half to empty everything out just to pull the boat out. So I had to have some very tangible hard evidence to make this happen. But when I got it, there was no keeping me back. No holding me back. I was on my way and so were the other researchers. But as I said, we didn't find any UFO signs. We did see an absolutely amazing find. And I should mention the lake was way down back then, like dangerously low levels. The water, which made it easier, was super low, but it made it easier to see these remnants of an ancient civilization. It's rained a lot since then, and I know the lake is much higher now than it used to be. So this other amazing researcher sees this, and it luckily for me, sends me searching into the fact of whether there is any possibility of an ancient civilization under Lake Mead. It seemed uh, pretty far-fetched to me at the time, and I thought it was just a waste of time, but I was going to look and search as deep as I could. And then it happened. I found a mother load of information that nearly floored me. In my searching and research, I found old newspaper articles describing ruins of a quote-unquote lost city scheduled to be buried under the water behind Boulder Dam, as they called it then. It was 1924. Later, it would be named Hoover Dam. So this lost city, which was officially known as Pueblo Grande, even has a small museum dedicated to it in the sparsely populated Logandale-Overton area of Nevada. So of course, again, no holding me back, I go and I check it out. After researching this lost history for the most part, I start to realize that this lost city may be the most ancient major city in North America, according to some. 
at minimum, it's 1,000 years old. At maximum, possibly 5,000 years old or older. They found structures of pottery and the usual stuff, but also found large skeletons and many more mysterious items. And they had Smithsonian-like precision, as I like to call it, utilizing groups like the CCC, who has since been disbanded, to jump in as quick as they could and tag and bag everything they could to haul it away. Much of it has never resurfaced. And they described the city as having 60,000 people living in it from their estimates. But they were only able to access the top layer of the city. As they dug down, they realized there were three more layers of the city remnants below it. But due to rising waters and the mud, they could only access the top layer. Totally mind-blowing. I've lived in Vegas full-time for like six to seven years, and nobody knows about this. What's weirder is it's almost like they really don't want people to know about it. It's sort of hidden. It's literally lost history. It is one of the most important finds from an archaeological perspective to the United States and its ancient history in many, many senses. So we have a UFO coming out of the water at an intriguing-looking ancient geographical anomaly with the caverns and columns at Crowley Lake near Bishop, California. Then it goes into the water at a place that used to be one of the oldest civilizations in North America, if not the oldest. And some lost history researchers believe some of these ancient civilizations in the United States date back as far as the Egyptian dynasty, if not further, like almost 5,000 years according to some, others say even further. Earth-shattering, mind-blowing information, and as we know, UFOs have transmedium abilities and can go from air to water and back. And we also know UFOs like to visit locations of ancient archaeology, such as Machu Picchu, or Cusco, Peru. And I believe this case, the Pueblo Grande site in Nevada, is similar. And speaking of Peru, the Peruvian alien attacks of goblin-like creatures flying around a meter off the ground terrorizing villagers of the Alto Nanay happened shortly after this Las Vegas encounter. And the descriptions of size... Eyes, height, etc. are quite similar. We find this similarity between the Kingman UFO crash retrieval and the 2023 Las Vegas alien backyard incident as well. The craft size, shape, and features seem to line up almost exactly. The team that was organized are also very similar as well. They draw from a number of different agencies allowing not only for higher top-secret clearances actively with top-secret-slash-SCI with CI and LS polygraph security clearance protocols, basically way up there in layman's terms, and the quote-unquote need-to-know system of classification. And this clearance is in the stratosphere, no pun intended, literally 
less than one in a million people have that clearance. Now, the scientific problem to all this is that UFO reports have never been analyzed as manifestations at a global scale or measure. In other words, like with the Peru aliens who were terrorizing villagers in the Alto Nanay, as soon as these events cross country boundaries or borders, our investigation stops. As mankind is holding these files so close to the chest, basically for security reasons. That being said, this is all beginning to change with the declaration of Space Force, who does interact in a limited way and basis with a worldwide community of intelligence assets in the field of quote-unquote space domain awareness. So this is a good thing. And in the case of Peru aliens... There was a Space Force joint operation in the area nearby, which points to more congruency of the events at hand and more legitimacy that these events were connected insofar as much as proximity of timing and similarities of description of the purported non-human intelligences or entities involved. There are a few more authoritative departmental clues which lead me to believe there's more to all the Vegas stuff and how it was handled, especially by lower-level authorities and not necessarily the feds, as state-level authorities are easier to analyze. The highest position held by local law enforcement is that of Kevin McMahill, who is the sheriff of Clark County. And Clark County is different than almost all other counties in the United States in that the sheriff in Clark County has statutory duty of providing service of process in civil and criminal cases above all other authorities and personnel employed or sworn into duty or even elected, which means he is more powerful than anyone else in legal processes, and decides how investigations and everything else related go down, right? Weird. And not the norm nationwide, but that's just how it is here. Interestingly, Clark County sheriffs are also held to a higher legal standard. And as an example of that, a former sheriff of Clark County is facing 15 felony charges, including official misconduct and obstruction of justice. He was arrested just a day ago. His name is Jamie Noel. So I just mentioned that to note the differences with other counties nationwide. Moving on. And I have to be super careful here because either of the two people I'm about to talk about could literally end me or just about anyone with one phone call. So let the walking on eggshells begin. The current head of Homeland Security Division of the Las Vegas Metro Police Department is Sasha Larkin, and she was trained by a gentleman who I will not name, who uh, was shocked at how this case was handled. Homeland Security Division of the Las Vegas Metro Police Department placed cameras on top of the home, and these cameras were directly as a result of this 
alien Las Vegas backyard incident. They were told, the family that is, that these cameras were being put there for their own good. These are here to protect you in case anything happens again. Don't worry about it, even though these cameras were live streaming video and audio to the Department of Homeland Security. Keep in mind, the man who trained her was up in arms, furious, and through an FBI source of mine, I was told that he was ready to pull the plug on all this and start an investigation and get Sasha Larkin to pull those cameras down. Well, here comes the shocker. Sasha Larkin and the sheriff, Kevin McMahill, have a situation, an interpersonal situation, something that relationship-wise causes enough of an interdepartmental problem that if the sheriff keeps Sasha Larkin from doing things in any way, shape, or form, if he tries to basically put his thumb on her and say, no, this is not meant to be done this way, it's completely against protocol and illegal, if he does anything whatsoever, she could, for all intents and purposes, not only sue him civilly, but sue the state of Nevada and possibly the police department as well because of this complex and complicated interpersonal situation between these two individuals. What's the likelihood of that? Highly suspect. But it does allow the head of Homeland Security Division of the Las Vegas Metro Police Department to quite literally have carte blanche do whatever she needs to do, handle the case however she wants to handle it, and there's nothing that Kevin McMahill can really do about it, in my opinion and the opinion of others. Allegedly, this could go down the way I described, but I'm not saying it will. But for the moment, carte blanche, do whatever you need to do, whether it's against protocols or not, and This direction must be coming from agencies above the Homeland Security Division, which makes things more complicated. But I'm not scared of complicated, so let's go there. Bring it on. Here's how it all goes down. There are interagency relationships. And who in the world would be above the Department of Homeland Security? Well, it seems a number of organizations are, and as I relayed, when I went down to the property, I was approached by a neighbor who said, oh, you guys are back, and I'm driving a very MIB, men in black looking, black suburban-like, super heavily tinted SUV. He said, yeah, it's been, there's been a lot of U-types coming down here, different agencies of the government, different divisions and different forms of intelligence, right? Well, this is where stuff gets heavy, and I'll tell you why. When you have a UFO crash situation, a retrieval ordeal, or anything along those lines, there's a number of agencies and departments which get called in. They can intermingle, and when they intermingle, the top secret clearance goes up. Each time you get more agencies involved, it gets more and more complicated, more and more complex and more secretive, more on a need-to-know basis. 
which is a great way to operate, very clandestine. And if you think about it, makes the most sense. That way, nobody can ever say who are the men in black. Oh, it's this organization or it's that organization. No, it's actually a multitude of different agencies and divisions of those agencies involved. You cover my back, I cover your back. Nobody gets found out, right? Well, on this particular case, according to the alleged information coming from a very trusted source in the intelligence community, I was told that the NEST was called in. Nest. When these guys come in on a UFO case, it is a real deal men in black scenario. Now, for those who are unaware, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Men in Black, you know, this would literally be the Will Smiths and uh, Tommy Lee Jones type guys that come in because Nest is only called for extremely important affairs. NEST is a division of the Department of Energy, and NEST stands for Nuclear Emergency Support Team, N-E-S-T, and is the National Nuclear Security Administration's multi-mission nuclear emergency response capability team that leverages the Department of Energy's world-class scientists and technical experts to contend with the nation's most pressing radiological and nuclear situations. NEST is the umbrella designation that encompasses all Department of Energy and National Nuclear Security Administration radiological and nuclear emergency response functions. These guys are the real deal. They get called in when one of these craft emit or leave behind traces of nuclear radiation or radiological detection. So these landing spots or crash retrievals, whatever you want to call them, become a matter of national security very quickly. So I completely understand why locations would be secured, why these stories would be suppressed, why in this particular case, we didn't hear anything about this for 28 days or so afterwards. At least I didn't. I think official narrative came out 30 days uh, or so afterwards. So there's a reason why these things are suppressed, hidden, or quote unquote secured. I totally get that. In fact, as many of you know, I've covered the scenario of what is being called interference syndrome, which is people succumbing to dead spots on the brain who are in close proximity to some of this exotic propulsion technology, reverse engineered or not, when in close proximity to these craft or even high strangeness itself, sometimes people will succumb to this quote-unquote, interference syndrome. These were paperwork and slides leaked off of the desk of the CIA doctor, Dr. Kit Green, and he had been studying this for quite some time with over a 100 cases studied and multiple, multiple high-level government employees 
that had brain scans and it shows something similar. Their brains are literally like Swiss cheese, dead spots throughout. And many of these people have higher end jobs with very demanding work scenarios. They are extreme high IQ individuals, physicists, uh, rocket scientists, and the like. And the interesting thing is many of them actually performed better Uh, Somehow, they almost received downloads, if you want to get into the paranormal aspect of some of these cases. They may have received downloads, and um, their IQs may have gone up. Which is interesting, because here we are with a real-deal syndrome called interference syndrome, very similar to Havana syndrome, which I know many of you may be aware of. The CIA was deeply involved with figuring out the health implications health implications and physical aspects to Havana syndrome, interference syndrome is very similar. And a new Pentagon report is heightening the mystery around UFOs, showing that radiation burns and brain damage are linked to UFO sightings. In fact, over 1,500 pages of UFO-related reports declassified by the U.S. government are showing evidence of radiation burns, unaccounted for pregnancies, and brain damage caused by some of these unidentified aerial phenomena. And these aren't the only adverse effects. There's also electromagnetic phenomena, adverse effects in neoplasms, and cancer. I hate to use the C word, but it does enter the scenario cancer as well. So why have there been so many cases of these physical ailments taking place around UFOs and high strangeness in general. Nobody knows for sure, but we do know that UFOs also seem to be sighted quite often near nuclear facilities. Ever since the 1940s, near A-bomb development sites, also in Nevada, this has been something that happens on the regular. The Pentagon reports coming out with, uh, an overview of potential extraterrestrial radiation have led the Defense Intelligence Agency to come out with a document, a Defense Intelligence Reference document to be exact, on anomalous acute and subacute field effects on human biological tissues. And it goes on to say that Previous fit and active individuals experienced an anomalous, irregular, incongruous, or inconsistent with their domain aerospace-related event, a UFO sighting. Within 72 hours, they suffered medical signs and symptoms, acute and subacute effects. These included almost immediate erythema, heat and redness, overexposed, to the presumed source of an electromagnetic radiation, skin and varying degrees of the following as a function of their body service exposure times, fever, pain, headaches, numbness, malaise, diarrhea, loss of hair, alopecia, skin eruptions, boils, cardiac palpitations, beginnings of what were to become chronic headaches, and symptoms of insomnia and other sleep dream disturbances, moderate experienced photophobia, extreme sensitivity to light, dry and scratchy, stingy eyes, extreme inflamed bloodshot, whites of the eyes, with soft tissue swelling on the eyelids, 
and one of three experienced moderate blood dyscrasia and signs of radiation illness, and over several years developed signs of malignant transformations. The C word, cancer. So yeah, there seems to be some definite extreme danger of being in close proximity to high strangeness and these exotic propulsion systems. Freaky stuff. So freaky that the intelligence agencies have already been working with insurance companies to see how to get ICD-10 codes, figure out how to list and categorize these ailments if these uh, workers, agents, officers, or contractors get these debilitating health effects by being close or near high strangeness or exotic propulsion systems during their lines of work. This is where things get hairy because, yeah, they're being put in harm's way doing the job they're doing, which is, of course, classified and top secret. But at the same time, they want to make sure that they're covered by their insurance companies for these diseases, radiation burns, loss of literal brain function or brain damage in some cases, and in extreme cases, the C word, cancer. They want to make sure that they're at least covered, right, by their insurance companies while working in a professional manner doing the jobs they're supposed to do. So it gets really complex, complicated. That's why so many studies have been done by CIA doctors and others, and we're getting some amazing data out of these studies. Thank goodness. Okay, really freaky. The other freaky thing is that this Las Vegas alien landing scenario in the backyard of this family's home literally was suppressed, the information that is, was suppressed by authorities until roughly 30 days after the event. Why? Well, many purport and allege it is because there was a congressional whistleblower testimony event put on by Dr. Stephen Greer, and many of these whistleblowers were talking about the fact that the military-industrial complex is too powerful. They had information which offered data purporting and alleging that these military contractors were not only more powerful than the government, but they also had proprietary materials and technologies, which far outweighed that that the government usually has. In other words, exotic propulsions, reverse-engineered technologies, and things that baffle the mind. Names were named. Companies' names were dropped. And... Among those companies, Raytheon was one that just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. Lockheed, a variety of others. The bottom line is, as we've heard previous presidents say, beware of the military-industrial complex, it seems like we are now living in that exact state of affairs, where our military contractors, because of the need for plausible deniability by the government, they are handed quite literally, reverse-engineered technologies, which they then expand upon 
And they have exotic propulsion systems and technologies that are not only dangerous, but it, would, it wouldn't be bad if it was just that. Well, actually, yeah, it would. It would still be really bad if it was just that. Don't get me wrong. But the whistleblowers would not be able to contend or whistleblow on anything if it was just that. If it was just military contractors having this reverse-engineered exotic propulsion systems and technology that blows the mind, that's not enough to whistleblow on anybody. The problem is, and here's the kicker, the problem is they are purporting, the whistleblowers are purporting, that this technology and these exotic propulsion systems are being used illegally for illegal means, illegal methods, and in some cases, American citizens are being killed in the process. So what kinds of illegal things are taking place? There were scores and scores of evidentiary claims, but among those were human trafficking, potentially. Allegedly, that could be one thing taking place, which has taken place. Uh, another allegation was that there could be drug running. You know, you don't need to do it like you did back in the 70s with Air America, the CIA using these jets and uh, these treetop flyers to run their coke into the country. You don't have to do that anymore because now all you have to do is hire a military contractor with exotic propulsion craft and reverse engineered technology to bring that stuff over cloaked below radar. Nobody's going to see a thing. Nobody will suspect anything. And there were actual cases. Uh, one in particular was a gentleman of the last name Herrera, which validated that he saw these black ops, non-military, most likely military contractors with English accents and all the best equipment, the best money could buy with a exotically propelled reverse engineered craft by all appearances in the background doing illegal stuff in the jungles. They quickly frisked these uh, soldiers that saw them doing this, took their weapons, told them to get down on the ground, and basically said, don't say a word, and you'll be okay. Now, the kicker is that some must know that this is taking place, or else we wouldn't have whistleblowers at all. Interestingly, this is a huge deal. It would be, you know, one of the biggest deals governmentally ever. But while this was taking place is when it was chosen by the powers that be who were suppressing this information about the backyard event in Las Vegas, that is when they chose to release the information about this purported quote-unquote crash in this backyard in Las Vegas, a major metropolitan area. Obviously, it's a wow story. It gathered all the attention. All the news people were all over this. Nobody was paying attention to the whistleblowers back in Washington. And so it seemed that this was done by design. So one must ask themselves, doesn't this obviously lead us to believe that these whistleblowers were telling the truth, saying the right things? If our military and our government are not as powerful as the military industrial complex or the private military contractors who supply them with amazing technologies, I mean, thank God for them. This is very important. 
uh, you know, thank you for your service. Anyone involved with the military whatsoever, I understand it's not the easiest work. However, as the whistleblowers in Washington were purporting it and the allegations coming out with epic data and information, the problem is when these reverse-engineered technologies and craft are used illegally, we have a problem. And some in our government are aware of this. It reminds me of the Admiral Wilson leak. Many purport that this is fake. And you have to remember the, the, the auto hoaxers that come in and just claim fake, 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 hoax, 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 don't understand the ins and outs of everything taking place. They might be looking at something very small, which all they need, they're, they're, like, they're like Snopes, right? All they need is just a hint of an idea or a reason, the wrong letterhead. I, I've heard ridiculous claims, you know, and this, let's, let's just get serious. All this was about was flipping Eric Davis, who is, you know, a extremely bright individual, if not the top mind in the field, who works under Hal Putoff. And at the time, they were experimenting with various exotic, reverse-engineered, potentially, technologies. I can't come out and say it. Nobody can, I guess. But they were working on these exotic propulsion systems, theorizing about warp drives, technologies, wormholes, etc., etc. And there was information, rumors, that there was potentially a craft being held by, again, a private contractor. Here's the problem. Admiral Wilson wanted to know a little more. When he was given the cold shoulder, he, who was completely up on all of his top secret clearances, as high as, higher than some of the people involved, he got frustrated and said, why, why, don't I, why can't you guys tell me about this? And they went on to explain that this also had to include a need-to-know basis. In other words, if he did not need, and capital letters here, N-E-E-D, need, as in absolutely eminent, everything will crumble unless he knew, unless he had a need to know, there was no way for them to disseminate any information whatsoever to him about this situation at hand. He's not the only one. Admiral Wilson is not the only one. There are a variety of highly decorated people in the military with extreme top secret clearances, including most likely congressmen, presidents, the list goes on and on, who just did not have the capital N-E-E-D need to know. So they never did. In closing, I guess we need to be aware and be careful because we know that countries are no longer those who govern the planet. It's now corporations. Your Black Rocks, your Vanguards, your State Streets, and actually all three working together, which own majority shares of each other. Quite literally, an umbrella corporation. Much like in the movie Resident Evil. Here's the kicker. Reality is turning stranger than fiction in that these guys are also heavily invested in other companies that are military contractors. 
so you kind of see where this is headed. These military contractors and the corporations backing them are more powerful than governments, heads of state, and possibly anyone. So I guess the closing statement is, beware of the military-industrial complex. And really quick, as a postscript, it's a theory. I have a lot of evidentiary claims. It's a theory at this point. I'm working on validating them. However, some have theorized that these non-human intelligences are aware, and they're sickened by the reality of this. These non-human intelligences, what some call aliens, are ha- have a history of being known to have helped ancient civilizations actually build their civilizations and structure- structures, showing them how to farm and other things way ahead of their time. The results are there, you know, with ancient cities like the one at the bottom of Lake Mead, ancient civilizations like Egypt, Sumeria, etc., giving them tools and talents that the people didn't have. And the theory goes that maybe these non-human intelligences, seeing what we've done with technology, are disgusted. And possibly going back to these timelines, to these locations, and trying to unwind the damage they created by helping us in the first place. No proof yet. Not, not, not any proof that I could, uh, I won't die on this hill, as they say. But it is intriguing and something to think about. Until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. And if you're listening via YouTube, please, please, please do me the favor to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. I will most likely never be monetized on YouTube for a variety of reasons, including the truth. And if you haven't gone over and checked out Hero Paranormal, Please do. There's a ton of content behind the paywall. You can access it all for just five bucks a month. Don't be scared of that little pop-up. It just says, I got five on it. Tap it, you're in. And you get all the content behind the paywall. You can also access that at Patreon. Just search for Hero Paranormal. Time machine, third eye feeling like an evising blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Come blast off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising blast off, blast off.